Marketing Foundations, the digital and social media marketing podcast for nonprofit agencies and foundations. In this podcast, we interview executive directors, marketers, social media professionals, and fundraisers in order to find out what works for them online and in social media. Marketing Foundations is brought to you by Hub Creative Group and WP Momentum. Your host today is John Lyons, the Digital Creative Director at Hub Creative Group. Well, thank you very much and good morning, everybody. This is episode number two of the Marketing Foundations podcast and in studio today, studio, this isn't really a studio, is it? It's got red walls. <laughs> it's, uh, this is our, our boardroom that we've converted to a studio this morning. So welcome. And this is, we have the full crew from United yeah, Way. Yeah, it's Friday. We just figured, jump in the car, let's go. All right. Let's go together. Well, I'm sorry. It's just tea this morning. <laughs> okay. Well, with me this morning, I have uh Karen Kirkwood-White. She's the CEO of the Chatham-Kent United Way. And we have Steve Pratt, who ha- wears many hats. Pratt with the hats. Oh, That's what we'll call him today. There we go. Uh, Steve was the past campaign co-chair. He's also staff as a communications coordinator and also is harm reduction for the AIDS Committee of Chatham-Kent. Yes. So staff, volunteer, and agency. Yes. So we're going to do a podcast just with you. Okay. <laughs> uh, and Helen Heath, she's the director of community impact at United Way of Chatham Kent, and Tom Slager, who's the director of resource development. Did I get all that right? Yeah, you did. Not mm-hmm. bad. Okay. Well, that took all of our twenty minutes. All right. So we'll, we'll get out of here. So we'll start with Karen. So Karen, tell us a little bit about United Way of Chatham Kent this morning. Well. Um, it's been around since 1948. We uh, we began our journey uh, back 68 years ago, and uh, we started with uh, a campaign that raised $50,000 that year to support six charter members. And over the course of the last six plus decades, uh, we're now raising uh, almost two million dollars to support 34 different community programs and direct services that are provided by United Way and uh, a number of our community partners. Wow, excellent. Making a difference in people's lives and building community at the same time. That's great. Awesome. Um, and is looking back at this last year, is there a particular good news story that you'd like to share? I think the the good news for United Way, um, and it actually is in response to a number of people who have been encouraging us to make a better connection between the donor and the recipient of the program or service that we're investing in. And uh, we went out to look for a couple of people who had actually benefited from the programs and services that United Way supports. And we found two incredibly powerful people to tell the United Way story. Um, Two individuals that have benefited from a minimum of eight of our programs and services Mm -hmm. that we support. And these people gave their, their time and their talent to go out and tell their personal stories about how United Way programs had impacted their lives. So from a communication standpoint, and, and we'll t- 
You know, I, this morning I told everybody to turn off their phones. <laughs> and you did And do I it. did not. Okay. Okay. So you don't have to edit this up. You no, can leave I'm it totally in. Taking that, I'm totally taking the heat on that one. That's, That's awesome. Okay. It's okay. Leave it. <laughs> leave it. Oh, my gosh. Um, so from a communication standpoint, see, we're being authentic, right? This yes, is authentic. that's cool. Which leads me to the point about authentic storytelling and mm-hmm. that being a part of your communication strategy. Mm-hmm. And you hit it right on the head. We tell people, just tell your story, tell your story. And you have stories built right in to, yeah. into your agency. And it's it's also one of the things that we're learning. I mean, and, and I've been around for a long time and I'm still learning every day about, um, you know, the disconnect perhaps between the donor and an organization that really doesn't understand the work of the nonprofit sector. Um, we're very different than business and very different than government. And I often talk about the, uh, you know, the the three-legged stool. You need three legs on a stool in order for the stool to stand up. So we need business, government, and voluntary sector to work together. And in the voluntary sector, our bottom line is different than business and government. It focuses on changed lives. And of course, business and government are very focused on metrics and return on investment, whereas the nonprofit sector hasn't been used to you know, that kind of measurement. And so we're learning how to be more business-like, um, but we'd also like business and government to meet us in the middle right. and say, yes, we get the stories. We get that this is not all about numbers. It's mm-hmm. about the difference that we're making. And if I can jump in as well, um, as far as business is concerned, when you're making widgets, you automatically know, or within a quarter, of a year how your sales are going you you have those metrics that are easily identified and easily communicated but in the social sector those kinds of changes that we're trying to affect can take years they can take decades to really show that return on the investment so um, it's it's not an easy journey to get that information and for some agencies it's it's a lot less tangible difference because sometimes in the example of block parent program um, maybe your measurement your really really excellent measurement is the fact that although you have 200 block parents in your community that's great but the excellent measurement is the fact that not one of them have ever had to encounter someone having an issue in their community and that's really for people who are focused on numbers numbers and well if you're not having anybody come there then what's the value of the organization it's it's a prevention program and it's even harder understand how you can measure outcomes in a prevention program because you don't want things to happen right and that's when you're their success that's Mm -hmm. right but how do you measure that (laughs) it's tough how do you measure it it's tough (laughs) (laughs) well then how do you how do you communicate that how do you how do you take that into your communications plan and communicate it not only to the donors but to the community um 
again, it's <laughs> tough. <laughs> uh, because people, we are, I think we're hardwired to think, to look at numbers and say, okay, we had 85 people attend a program, 83 of them finished the program, and now they're not abusing their children anymore. Perfect. We get that. Mm -hmm. But to say nobody attended a block parent program house because we don't have any crime in our community, okay. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's not easy to wrap your head around that and really understand that, well, how is that a value? If, if nobody's utilizing those volunteers, then why are we spending all this money in training them and doing police screening and so on and so mm -hmm. forth when nobody's coming to the house? And I think um, kind of what we were getting at with some of the feedback about the connection between the donor and the recipient, um, I do a lot of presentations to people all across Chatham-Kent. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of those cases, the people that are there, and I think, I think maybe humans in general, they like to hear stories. That's, that's how humans relate to things. Um, and when you, get, when you get out there, the person who comes off the line for 15 minutes to hear what we're saying, they don't necessarily want to hear a whole list of numbers and statistics. So my job or my question is, well, how do I talk about some of this impact and some of these, these outcomes that are happening, um, but I've only got 15 minutes and I can't give them a bunch of stats. And that's where um, people like Steve came in um, really big and, and, and some of the people that came in and talked about their story. Because even though it's just one example, especially when it's that person saying, this is my life and my lived experience, uh, the people in the in the audience that are listening can sympathize. Empathy is the wrong word, I think, because not everybody's experienced it. But they can sympathize, and they can, it's much easier to relate. Wow, what it, if I was going through that and someone helped me out of that? How much better would my life be? And so it is only just maybe one instance, mm -hmm. but a lot of people I think can extrapolate. Man, if you do that three, four, five, ten, fifteen, twenty, thirty. 30,000 times across our, our community. Doesn't that, doesn't that, even if we don't have the hard number, doesn't that make us a better place than if you don't do it? Right. The whole trick, of course, you know, when we, Helen talks about prevention, you know, we would, we would rather catch people before they fell in the river mm -hmm. instead of scooping them out when they're downstream and really having a challenge right. with life. And, you know, we, as a United Way, are dealing with a number of community issues. Poverty reduction is probably on, you know, right up there on the top of the list. And if we can get at the root cause of some of these issues, then we won't have to spend as much money on treatment services if we invest earlier on in the prevention. Right. So, yeah, and rescuing the person who's fallen into the river. That's what's on the front page of the newspaper. Exactly. Not mm -hmm. the, the yeah. 10 people who there's, have been saved. There's no story. Right. There's or a little story at the front right. end. Mm -hmm. Lots of stories at the back end. And that's where I think that social media, and I, I use the term social media, but mm -hmm. it's, it's not, it's media now. Mm -hmm. Anybody who runs a Facebook page, a Twitter feed, uh, Instagram, you're generating content. You are now a media company. Mm -hmm. And one of the hardest things about having a media company is telling a story. Yeah. But you've got the stories. Yes. So you. 36,000 of them in Chatham Kent, right. by the way. 
Really? One in three people, uh, according to the numbers that we've been collecting from the programs and services that we support, uh, indicate that one in three people in Chatham can't have been touched in some way by a program or service that we invest in. So that's a lot of stories you can tell. A lot of stories. Some of them tougher than others. Right. Some some people don't want to, you know, bear their souls and, and tell people the right. struggles that they're dealing with. Some who are brave, like this man here, um, were very grateful uh, because there were a lot of people who could relate to Steve's story. <clears throat> well, I, I, I can't ignore this segue. <laughs> Why don't you tell us your story? Oh, geez. Um, Okay, so I guess a really long story short. I, uh, yeah, this is only a 20-minute podcast. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so I grew up in uh, Wallaceburg, which is a town here in Chatham-Kent, and I had an awesome childhood, did really, uh, did really well. Ended up moving to Toronto uh, to go to university. I was at the University of Toronto, and then I went to York University, and then I ended up landing a job with a Fortune 50 company. Uh, went on to become one of the youngest operations executives they had in their company, which was pretty cool. I was very involved in my community. I did a lot of work in the nonprofit sector. I helped put a rooftop garden on the Covenant House, a um, kitchen at the Kiwanis Boys and Girls Club, and a lot of other community projects that I call the superhero project, where I was able to fly in, do something great, feel like a million bucks, and then take off. I didn't have to worry about how the charity was going to sustain themselves or anything like that. And then, uh, so things in my life were going quite well. And then at that point in time is when things started to change for me. And I began to struggle with uh, mental illness and uh, depression in particular. And out of all the different definitions of depression that I've personally come across, the one that rings true the most for me was the inability to construct a future for myself. I couldn't, it seems ridiculous, but at that time I, I, I couldn't see it. And from there, that ended up leading into developing an addiction. And slowly but surely, my addiction started to become my job. And uh, before I knew it, I lost everything. I lost my house, I lost my cars, lost my career. Everything was gone. And it eventually got to the point where my sister, who lived in Wallsburg, she came up to Toronto. <laughs> she broke into my house because <laughs> I wasn't talking to anyone at the time. And... Uh, She's just like, I don't know what's wrong with you, but uh, I can't fix you <laughs> from, from here. So she packed up all my stuff, she threw it into storage, and then that's how she, uh, she brought me home and that's how I came back to Chatham-Kent. Um, things for me got a lot worse before it got better. Mm -hmm. um, it eventually came to the point uh, <laughs> where I attempted to, uh, to take my life. And I am so incredibly lucky sorry, that it didn't work because things did get better. It truly, truly did. And one of the services I was able to connect with for support was um, a program at Aid Support Chatham Kent, <laughs> where I was able, they have a harm reduction program. So it's a program that's working with people who are currently living with an addiction. And it was able to help me connect with support um, myself. And I found support and I found my sobriety and I've got back on the horse and things are going really well. I started volunteering for them, brought a lot of the stuff I learned in the business world over to the small charity and just like, what do you mean you don't have an IT department or <laughs> what do you mean you don't have marketing people? What? <laughs> and you're really the jack of all trades in this world and in, in this line of work. And it's just like, yeah, Google is your IT people, <laughs> you know, and um, 
so I, I volunteered with them. I ended up winning their Volunteer of the Year Award, which was kind of cool. Uh, that turned into a job offer, and I became their Community Development Coordinator. And then uh, most recently, um, I guess it's almost been a year now, but I've actually taken over that very same harm reduction program that helped me turn that corner wow. and turn my life around. And wow. I can give back in a very meaningful way now, and it's... <laughs> It's pretty cool, and we're actually getting uh, national and international recognition for some of the work we're doing here now in Chatham-Kent from some of the things I've been tools I've been able to bring into their harm reduction program and helping to change things across the province anyway. So that's amazing. That part's pretty cool. And then there's a harder part to this story, and that's it the... It gets harder? It gets harder. <laughs> and uh, there's another program that our family has benefited from um, quite a bit, and it's the VON Children's Circle Program. And basically what they do is that they help kids to prepare for letting go of someone that they love, whether it be a sibling or a parent. And in this case, it was my sister. She uh, unfortunately passed away of cancer on her 41st birthday. Um, her engine was strong, her heart was strong, her lungs were strong. So, I mean, cancer literally had to strangle the life out of her. And it was a horrific, horrific experience. And uh, she had three kids, youngest of which was uh, Landon, and he was 10 years old. And Erin, uh, who runs the program, I cannot say enough good things about her. She went in to meet with uh, Landon in the school, and something like this affects a lot of people. So the other students that were his friends and the teachers and everybody else that's around kind of seeing this happen. And uh, she was amazing. And right towards the end, we were in the hospital with uh, my sister, and she was about to pass. And I was uh, sitting with Landon in one of the waiting rooms, and I looked at him and I said, you know, how are you doing? <laughs> Sorry, this part's always hard, but he looked at me and said, I want mom to go so she can be with me the way she wants to be able to be with me. <laughs> what 10-year-old kid says that? <laughs> so again, that's just a testament to what they, they do. And um, a really long story short, Landon's father actually passed away before he was born. So my parents ended up taking Landon on and here they are 65 years old, right ready for the golden rings of retirement. And now they have a 10 year old child, you know, that uh, they're working with as well. And I can assure you when something like this happens, the number of government agencies and everything like that that gets involved in this process is complicated. So there my parents are grieving the loss of their daughter. And no parent should have to feel that pain of losing a child but there they are going through that plus taking on their grandson now and you have all these different things going around and people can be rather insensitive when it comes to to death well, what do you mean they died well send us their death certificate or whatever it might be it's a painful process and that process took about a year but in that whole time Aaron's program like they really helped to get my folks to the right doors and like here take care of this take care of this you're going to want 25 copies of the death certificate to help with this or you know things like that just to help you know and prepare to be able to go through this whole process but uh, <laughs> when it came to the point um, for United Way when they approached me and they asked if I would help to lead their campaign I don't know about you but I can't think of a better way to give back to my community and to help um, say thank you to all the individuals that actually touched 
my life and my family's life. And it's just like, you know, these programs do make a difference. Wow. You know, I could have been a diff- very different statistic, mm-hmm. you know, and I just like, and I'm glad that I'm not because I've been able to actually come out and, and do things and say thank you to my community and raise one heck of a lot of money to help a heck of a lot of people wow. here in Chatham. But that's really the, the challenge when we talk about the communication strategy uh, part of things. So I'm now switching to more of a campaign kind of hat. <laughs> Take a deep breath. Yes. <laughs> it, was, it was really difficult because how do you tell the United Way story? Because when you look at the scope of programs and services that United Way touches, it's epic <laughs> in terms of the the great work that we're able to do. So how do we keep that and tell it in a way that's going to resonate? Because a lot of the time, these programs impact small little pockets of people in our community. So it's not like you're going to have, as Tom was saying, that empathetic draw to what we're necessarily doing because it's small pockets of people, but those small pockets of people added up to 36,000 people last wow. year. So that that is part of the challenge is, is having stories, um, as Karen was saying, there's 36,000 stories, but finding ones that are actually going to to resonate with people to the point where you're going to hopefully entice them to invest in our community. And it's just like, we're, we're doing a great thing here. Now, how do you buy in and and keep this going? So that that is really one of the, the big challenges for that. Well, thank you for sharing your story. That's incredible. Yes, I, I wasn't expecting to do that today. So. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think we were either. But you know what, and I, I, I can't help but think, there's six people in this room and we were all on the edge of our seat and we all had tears in our eyes and we're hairs in the back of our head were were, were coming up and yeah how is that not that story is such a powerful driver i'll take that over spreadsheets and powerpoints mm-hmm. absolutely a yeah. thousand times mm-hmm. and yeah. when it comes to communications whether it's social media or traditional yeah it's it's right there mm-hmm. yes and and that is a challenge so like we had videos for example so we had a videographer come in and film uh, myself and patricia wright was the other campaign co-chair and she is just a powerhouse mm-hmm. of inspiration mm-hmm. and we had videos that were done but getting people to click and watch the video right. that that is challenging and right. to be able to tell your story quickly as people mm-hmm. scroll through on their, their social media feeds that is a challenge well I can't ignore that segue you guys are setting me up <laughs> so well here this is terrific how do you do that I mean and now with Facebook stories announced this week yeah. um, Facebook live Instagram live Instagram stories Snapchat mm-hmm. like what's mm-hmm. what do you, what's in your toolbox oh he's looking at me that's why I have you <laughs> um, to be perfectly candid you know um, I I I'm old. I've been around for a very, very long time. So we're looking for uh, advice from the younger millennials that are on these social media tools all the time. And uh, yes, we advertise uh, the campaign in newspaper and radio, but we're finding that with <coughs> at least with the younger crowd, they're wanting to see things quickly. They want to be able to choose where they want their money to go. Um, and in in Tom's planning phase for the campaign, we have to look at the various audiences that we have. And it's not just one audience. You know, we've got 
different demographics that we have to focus on and what's best for the baby boomers and what's best for the youth committee members you know we have a fantastic youth committee uh, which you know maybe we can do another story on another blog sometime with our uh, youth engagement coordinator uh, and all the fabulous work that's happening with the high school students that are involved with our organization but there's that audience and then there's this audience and another audience and there are different tools that you have to use to build the relationships with those various demographics and that's what we're that's why we have hub creative in town and other (laughs) other organizations that are willing to lend some advice and support to Mm -hmm. you know i mean we've been around as a as a movement in canada for almost 100 years but we're all still learning about because the you know as they say map out your life with a pencil and carry an eraser because things change all the time and we have to be prepared for the change and move quickly to respond to these these new things that are happening. So, as Steve said, social media will be an important part of this year's campaign. We'll be looking for, you know, the 30-second elevator speeches to try and describe who and what United Way is because we're a smorgasbord. When you think of our friends at hospice, it's very, very clear what hospice does. When you think of the Children's Treatment Center or the Animal Shelter or any one of those single focus charities, um, people get it right away. When you think of United Way, people go, huh? I'm not really sure. And then when you show them the poster of 34 programs Mm -hmm. and services, it's like, okay, here's the smorgasbord table. Do you want it all? Well, you know, can I just pick that? Absolutely, you can pick that. We've got donor choice and people can choose. But it's it's that combined brand message right. that we need to come up with that everybody can say, oh, I get it. The logo itself talks about a helping hand and a rainbow of hope and the symbol of mankind. But how do you explain that in terms of, okay, I get that part, but how does that translate into why should I make an investment? Well, I think that's the wonderful opportunity that we're faced with right now, right? Mm-hmm. With all these tools at our disposal, mm-hmm. you know, which we talked to Facebook, you know, we. Yeah. Tell, and video, my God, right. video is yes. going to be is exploding, going to yep. explode this year. Yes, live especially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would love to be in a position to be doing these podcasts, Facebook Live, mm-hmm. and then do the replay and then do the audio. Well, so, one of the things we're going to try for the first time is a Facebook Live at our annual meeting coming up that's this a month. Great idea. And we're just trying to figure out what portion of the meeting will do that because you know you'll you'll have a 20 minute very boring moved and seconded by that mm-hmm. such and such happen that's really not what we want to feature although it's all really important um, but there will be some stories that we'll try to to use that tool to get their message out so how are you gonna, do you have plans for video this year Yes, so there's there's definite plans. We're looking at um, shorter videos in particular. So just like even though the three minute video is already short, it's it's hard to get people to watch right for three minutes necessarily. So uh, sometimes it might be well, it's going to be something a little bit different. We're going to try. 
and just a, a series of shorter videos to see how people respond that way. But yes, video engagement in terms of post engagement seems to be uh, far far outweighs the traditional posts that right. uh, pop up. And certainly the the platform that they're on would lend itself to how long of a video you use. Like certainly yes. if it's on YouTube, you can put a three-minute video up mm-hmm. yes. because mm-hmm. they've gone there with intention. Yes. Right. If it's a Facebook video, you've got you've to stop them while yes. they're scrolling. Yeah. So you have to, 30 seconds, you've got to capture them in three, in three seconds or less. Right. 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 Or if it's a live video, you, you've got to catch them in right away yes but if it's Instagram live versus Facebook I mean there's so many yes. options choices right? yes absolutely you have like three phones <laughs> cell set up to capture your video and then of course we have a very unique situation here in Chatham-Kent unlike many communities across the country in that our organization used to run eight separate campaigns under one umbrella because of our municipal amalgamation right. in 1998, we're now one organization trying to focus on what's happening in Wallaceburg and Tilbury mm-hmm. and Blenheim and Ridgetown and Thamesville and Dresden and Bothwell and Chatham. Right. And there are recipients of service in all of those areas. We have a very, very large catchment area, 2,200 square kilometers, very rural urban mix and we have to identify what the rural folks want as well as what the urban folks want you know it's funny we say this you know with in business as well as in the nonprofit that that when frank sinatra said you could if you can make it in new york you can make it anywhere uh-uh new york, that's easy <laughs> if you can make it in chatham ken you can make it anywhere. Any, i i believe <laughs> right? i believe that right we have yeah. we are so we are so blessed here we have a beautiful beautiful community and very very generous residents um, that give to a number of very noble causes here in in town um, there was a time when uh, the federation of canadian municipalities used to use uh, per capita giving to united way as a measurement of how strong and uh, vibrant a community was and um, you know we were in the top 10 in the country at one point in in per capita giving um, we've had some challenges here since you know 2008 with a number of closings, downsizings, and uh, it's a lot more difficult for our organization to raise money with lots of small businesses Mm -hmm. as opposed to going into a big factory that used to employ, you know, 2,000 employees and, you know, have... 10 or 15 minute presentations to groups of 30 people at a time it's very difficult to get that reach Mm -hmm. today as opposed to you know how it used to be and uh, there were times when you know the the fellas on the shop floor at Eaton Yale would ask me to come in on the midnight shift to do a presentation and you know, I'd say, sure, I'll be there. And they'd say, no, you're not going to come at 2 o'clock in the morning. I said, of course I'll come. Of course I'll come. So, you know, it, it's a, lo- a whole lot different today. You know, it, it is different, but we also have different tools in our toolbox. Absolutely. So we can leverage, yeah. you know, the social media aspect. And we can talk to more people in different ways. Ten years ago, you'd have to go to the shop and talk to 2,000 people. Yeah. Now you talk to one person, and that's amplified 2,000 times. Worldwide. Yes, even more, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
let me ask you, how do you manage your social media right now? So right now there's a... To, to preface this, I've been on the job for about three shifts. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so if I ask you next week, it'll be a different answer. <laughs> it'll be a different answer, most likely, yes. But but as of right now, it's just like our, our social media strategy, um, there, to be fair, there, there's really not a well-constructed one at this point. It's kind of whatever uh, stories we think that people might be interested at the time. That's really what we're doing for our social media. So... The good news is, is that we're actually consulting with lots of different folks for um, ideas around how we can do this. And that goes right from the national office uh, mm-hmm. right on down. And they've recognized as a brand that there's an opportunity to have a stronger, more solidified focus and more consistent messaging uh, that's brought on. But as of right now, there's really no planned social media activities. Gotcha. Yeah. We're, we're very uh, blessed to be part of uh, now an, an international movement. Um, United Ways in Canada joined United Way worldwide uh, a year ago, so we're now one of 1,800 United Ways across the globe, and uh, we benefit from having access to a number of tools that are produced by the national office that we can benefit from some of some of which um, resonate locally mm-hmm. and some don't so we're always looking for you know what what can we take from what you're able to give us and then modify what doesn't necessarily resonate to our local situation so okay. we're trying to do things locally that align to a national brand right and you, but you have those tools at your at we do. fingertips now. We That's do. great. Yeah. Right. Okay. Anything to add? No, I just you haven't. Think... You haven't spilled your your heart out enough. <laughs> well, and that that is actually a good point. Is that doing sharing these personal testimonials? It is very emotionally draining, right? So I think that is one of the things that we look at is like, you know, how can we tell these stories? And a lot of the times I refer to it as flashbulb memory. It's just like all of a sudden I'm right back in those moments. And, um, you know, some of them are really good and some of them not so much, but it's just like, there's the things that I'm saying, but there's a lot of things that I'm thinking about that I'm also not saying. Right. And I think that's where it's hard because a lot of the services that United Way has are not necessarily the programs that you want to run <laughs> stick a flag in your front lawn saying, hey, I had access to food bank today <laughs> or whatever it might be. Right. You want to blend in. You want to feel normal. Right. So it's just like it is really hard to find those stories and people that are willing to come out and uh, share in a public way and be careful because mm-hmm. when we go to each of those workplaces and you multiply that by, I don't know how many Patricia did, like 75, yeah. 80 times. Yeah. Uh, going through all of that, it, mm-hmm. it can be very yeah. um, taxing on the individual yeah. as well. So this is kind of feeds back into it, video and all that other good stuff. You know, I'm going to throw this out at you that um, to tell those stories yeah. that might be particularly painful that you don't want to broadcast to the entire community. Right. But now with the tools that we have at our fingertips, it's very easy to target and isolate a cohort or a group right. of people who mm-hmm. right. would feel the same. Right. So you don't have to put an ad in the newspaper anymore. Right. It's very easy to talk to people who are feel the same way. And I think that's a, a wonderful opportunity we have that right. we didn't have mm-hmm. five years ago. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
So, yeah. and, and the things that United Way deals with, Karen has talked about how we've got early years at the at the front end of life. of life, and we've got lots of programs that are working to give children a really good start, and we've got hospice at the other end, which is um, compassionate and working to give people a really good life until the end and what we're doing is dealing with the messy stuff in between and a lot of the stories that we'd love to be able to tell they're not all you know up and upbeat and enthusiastic and energetic and yeah great you know fun these are tough like steve's they're tough stories to tell a lot of people don't want to hear those stories you know, it doesn't affect my life. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it, it doesn't affect me, so why should I contribute? But ultimately, in the big scheme of things, we're all part of a community. And when our community is hurting, every individual in that community is hurting as well because we're not as healthy, we're not as vibrant, we're not as productive as we could be when we are collectively. Mm-hmm working together to solve these messy situations, right? And that's and that's where United Way comes in. And, and that's where our name that's where our name comes from. Absolutely. We are united. And the more united we are, the stronger community will be. Right. And that's the power of a brand, right? Mm-hmm. It is. Absolutely. Okay. And I can't think of a better way to wrap up. <laughs> Thanks. Thank, Thank you, you so much, everybody. Thank you. You're welcome, Thank you. John. That's good. I don't know if we'll have six people again. <laughs> I'm including Dave in the back corner, who's yeah, just so who's working on away. His headphones. Who <laughs> <laughs> can't hear us? Thank you very much, everybody, for coming in. I had a great time, great chat, and a pleasure to meet meet you guys too. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Thanks, Thanks John. Thank you for joining us today on Marketing Foundations, the digital and social media marketing podcast for nonprofit agencies and foundations. If you liked what you heard on the show today, we would love it if you just took 30 seconds to give us a five-star review on iTunes. It helps others to find us and spread the word. The Marketing Foundations podcast is brought to you by Hub Creative Group, a digital and social media marketing agency. Hub Creative helps nonprofits and foundations reach out to their communities and donors through effective and efficient branding and marketing communications and by WP Momentum. If you already have a website and need help keeping it up to date and secure, WP Momentum just may be right for you. WP Momentum keeps websites moving forward.